Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1 Podcast, and this is our breakdown of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Now, I know everybody was excited, you know we're getting back into our first Formula One race weekend, it felt like we've been waiting forever really, you know, as we go through testing, we get deliveries coming out, we're just waiting, all the speculation, who's going to be the team on top, what's going to happen, and I think that Bahrain kind of proved a lot of our suspicions that we had going on and also enlightened us to some other elements of the Formula One season so far. Uh, I know it's only the opening week, but enlightened us to how this season might go and really probably alerted us also to, frankly, some surprises, some issues, these various different things that we're going to be looking out for throughout this Formula One season. So we might as well get started, jump right into it and talk about the weekend that was the Bahrain Grand Prix. And I got to admit, this race weekend delivered in some ways that I don't think we expected or some ways that we were hyped probably since testing. And I'm going to focus a lot of this talking about what was probably the biggest news from this Formula One race weekend. And that was the performance of Aston Martin and specifically that of Fernando Alonso. And Honestly, I got to give credit where credit is due to Lance Stroll as well. And, you know, people really criticize Lance Stroll a lot for, you know, him being a quote-unquote paid driver. But to be honest, there are times when you watch Lance Stroll go and, you know, especially if you think back to, like, wet condition races and races where, you know, there is a certain degree of skill. And I forgot who was talking about it. It might have been actually Martin Brundle, but... Over this race weekend, they were kind of talking about how Lance Stroll, in a way, is a driver's driver. And that, you know, he does do a lot of wheel work, but there have been times where he's proven his worth. And I think this race weekend, and I'll get into it a little more after breaking both his wrists. We just saw today the process he had to go through just to be able to compete. The process that he went through, the fact that he had to endure these various different injuries and was able to hop in a Formula One car. We even saw... I believe it was after FP1. Sorry, I'm opening up a drink. But we saw after FP1, he could barely get out of his car. And to be honest, he was dealing with some significant wrist pain, was compensating on some of those turns with the way he was steering the wheel. But when it came down to Sunday, and we'll talk about his performance, but when it came down to Sunday to get in that car and just even start that race was downright incredible. And, you know, for being two weeks out of what appeared to be a significant injury, I got to give that due credit. I mean, you know, we talk about Formula One drivers and whether they're athletes or not. This shows you right there. Like, a Formula One driver is a true athlete in many ways. But anyway, uh, the main thing after testing was that Red Bull was going to be light years ahead. And, you know, somebody had to just satiate our feelings for a closer race. And the person that's race weekend that was undoubtedly giving us, you know, glimpse, a glimpse of some hope for tough competition. And arguably the team that is probably surprising us the most had to be that of Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin. I mean, listen, this race weekend, we're we're in the FP1. We, we have Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll both looking quick. And of course, you know, all depending on the fuel loads and everything else. But they were looking quite quick. They were looking quite impressive. And off the bat, we were like, wow, Aston Martin is turning heads. And, you know, you always wonder because first practice one, you're like, could this be a surprise? Is this going to be genuine? And 
you know, then you get into FP2 and you're like, all right, all right. And then FP3 comes and you see Fernando Alonso with that speed. And I think <laughs> so many of us and even the broadcast was trying not was trying not to, uh, I guess, hype it up too much. Because obviously, again, we know that teams run different fuel loads, different engine modes, different things like that. So we're trying not to hype up the Fernando Alonso poll, but man, was it tantalizing. Imagine if Fernando Alonso wins a race this year, or let alone is in that championship battle, in the top three even, would be downright impressive. And at the moment, that Aston Martin car really is the second best car on the grid. Maybe third Ferrari, reliability-wise, speed-wise, hasn't really been impressive. Mercedes, we'll get into them, you know, not looking that great either. So, Right now, to think that it's Red Bull than Aston Martin, which I know people are going to get into this, but I mean, Aston Martin is chock full of Red Bull engineers. I think I saw somewhere where it was like seven or eight, and of course we have Christian Horner. That guy, man, say what you want about Christian Horner and the Red Bull team. You know, you kind of need a villain in this sport, and I'm not calling Christian Horner the villain, but he's got that persona, right, where this is a guy who he will not turn away from talking some shit and and i like it i love it honestly uh i think formula one you know we talk about <laughs> i i haven't started drive to survive i've been very bad with my series lately in in general but you know it's just too much how do you guys keep up with this stuff man you know i find it so difficult to keep up with streaming but anyway uh <laughs> and binge watching that's my side tangent on binge watching but the fact is you know in formula one you kind of need a villain Right, we talk about the hype that Drive to Survive creates. We have the the Toto Christian Horner, you know saga, you know turtleneck Toto, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Christian Horner, that guy. Is there anybody else in Formula One that reminds you of like Bond villains other than like Toto Wolf and Christian Horner? I don't know why, but like if you put any of those guys in a Bond movie and you told me, yeah, that's the villain, I would a hundred percent believe it. They both like are just like in different ways. You know, you got like. Christian Horner is more like the brutal, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll issue this snide comment kind of Bond villain where Total Wolf seems like the more, like, evil genius kind of guy, you know. But anyway, that's my side tangent on those guys. But, yeah, Red Bull, I mean, first of all, carrying away with the speed, Red Bull just, you know, once it got into qualifying, it was all Red Bull. And, you know, it was quite obvious that whatever was going to happen in this race, there was no way Red Bull was going to lose. And the two Ferraris coming third and fourth, you know, demonstrating some speed, Fernando up there, uh, just some other great moments from qualifying. You got to give credit to Nico Nico Hulkenberg getting into 10th place with that Haas. Unfortunately, his race didn't go as well, but, you know, Nico Hulkenberg uh, not looking too bad. And of course, of all the rookies leading the way, uh, Logan Sargent and to his credit, you know, Logan Sargent did not have a bad race weekend. I mean, you know, qualified the best of the rookies, had a decent race. I think he got into 11th. So, you know, overall, I would say a pretty good, solid race, stayed out of trouble, did what he had to do. And, uh, you know, from that standpoint, Logan Sargent, not too bad. But the race itself. So, you know, we get into the race. We're trying to, like, see what happens. And honestly... The Bahrain Grand Prix was, I mean, there were moments of good racing, some midfield battles, some strategies, but 
it was not the most exciting race, obviously, in part due to Red Bull just flat out being above and beyond every team. And this is what we get into now because so Red Bull with its domination, we're hearing from Mercedes right now that Red Bull is going to win every race. And Mercedes, listen, I admire the team at Mercedes. I think they are one of the best composed teams. I think if there is a team that is able to get through this now slump of 2022 and starting 2023, and if what is being said about Mercedes entering 2023 is correct, it's going to be another long year for Mercedes fans. And I'm sorry, guys, but it sucks if you're a Mercedes fan. You don't know where that light at the end of the tunnel is. You would have thought last year, right, with George Russell getting that one at Brazil, Mercedes looking stronger at the end of the year. You thought maybe there was some kind of light at the end of the tunnel that this could be the year where they're more competitive. But, man, the way that Red Bull, even with that reduced airtime, airtime, even with that reduced wind tunnel time, Red Bull still manages to develop great cars. And, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Red Bull has Adrian Newey, who if there was a guy that, like, if you were going to explain Adrian Newey to someone who doesn't know Formula One, you were talking about the magician of aerodynamics and engineering of Formula One. Like, this guy has to have a vision where he can just see the airflow. There's nothing else that can explain it. Has this guy made a car that's an absolute, like, junk car? Even in the years where Red Bull wasn't great, like, Red Bull has always been competitive. And Adrian Newey has managed to always make these competitive cars throughout his career. I mean, you could go back and look at it. Like, Adrian Newey is just... And whatever Red Bull is doing is, frankly, amazing what they've put together with these new regulations. But there's a reason why Adrian Newey is one of the most successful designers ever. I mean, just think back to his times at Williams, at, a, at Williams, at McLaren. The guy, the guy just knows how to make a good car. And it's just, frankly, amazing that he's a god when it comes to like aerodynamics and engineering and designing cars like a god he's the god of aerodynamics that that's it adrian newey god of aerodynamics i mean i don't think there's anybody better in the sport and what he's managed to do is frankly incredible so red bull you know just frankly dominating the field like really really kicking ass and and just getting the job done and for the most part the race i think went as we were expecting it to you know um looking at how the results were coming in you know as you're watching the race it was mostly red bull than the ferraris but you gotta feel you gotta feel for the ferrari in some respect you know charlotte Leclerc was having a decent race running up in third and of course again like we're starting the year again already talking about a ferrari reliability issue and you know people thought this was over they thought maybe you know and and, you know it could be a one-off apparently it was some kind of human error mistake but again it's just like anytime you see charlotte Leclerc or that red car could be carlos Sainz too you know but unfortunately it seems to be charlotte Leclerc more often than not you see that ferrari just virtual safety car comes out you see a red ferrari just limping to wherever and you're just like not again it's insane. Like, can Ferrari just get their act together? And honestly, the Ferrari doesn't look 
spectacular. I mean, they were third and fourth in qualifying. I think Aston Martin, obviously, with Alonso beating signs and, um, you know, potentially being able to track down Leclerc as well before his reliability issue. It's just, you know, the fact is, Ferrari is not where they should be. You know, I think people are hoping that Ferrari can make that leap and be more competitive. There was a lot of hype going into this season with Ferrari being able to compete with Red Bull and develop during the season. And again, we're only speculating after one race. We really won't have an idea. Again, you won't have an idea where this season is really going to shape up until three or four races in. But I mean, right now, the way Red Bull looks is just like pure domination. And you got to feel for these teams that just have been trying to claw back and just can't because Red Bull is so good. But nevertheless, you know, I think the surprise of the day, or not really the surprise of the day, but a great start to the season, Aston Martin. I mean, between Fernando and even Lance Stroll getting a sixth-place finish with his broken wrist, downright impressive from both teams, even with the little contact they had at the beginning of the race. Just downright impressive racing from both drivers. And really, you got to feel a little bit for Seb. And there was some debate over the weekend who would handle that car better. And listen... Sebastian Vettel, one of my favorite drivers of all time. Seb is a great driver. He's proven his worth. And there's been this debate now, this little debate, and it was going, you know, if you were watching the practice sessions, it came up, I think, maybe a few times, maybe once I only heard it, really, but I think on Twitter it was a debate, too. You know, if Seb had this car this year, would he be able to reflect or match Fernando's performance? And you know, it's an interesting question to pose. It was something I was wondering as well. And, you know, when I think back, like if you're thinking of true... See, I don't want to knock Seb's performance too much, but I do think... And and I, I think Seb definitely punched high with Aston Martin. I think he did. Um, but when I'm thinking of pure driving ability, I think Fernando ranks above Fernando has had kind of the bad luck I mean Seb has had his bad luck too of teams you know going around maybe not hitting teams at the right time you know both you know you could argue both Alonzo and Seb were at Ferrari at the wrong time you know obviously Alonzo going to McLaren big mistake when Fernando Fernando when Fernando was at uh Alpine also really not the best team to go to and Seb's transfer to Aston Martin maybe holding on one more year I know he didn't want to but Maybe holding on one more year wouldn't have been such a bad option. But I think Fernando is hitting Aston Martin at a good time. Obviously, with Red Bull being how good Red Bull is, I'm not sure if they will be able to match that performance at all. Because Red Bull is just clearly dominating. But Aston Martin, you know, if things turn out right, it's not unreasonable to think that Fernando or even Lance Stroll can still win this year. If that car continues the trajectory that we see it on, you know, I, I would not be surprised. But heck of a drive by both Fernando. It's it's just so great to see Fernando on the podium, man. Like, I don't know. I think the sport, you could say what you want about, and it's funny because people, you know, people criticize some drivers for staying too long, like Lewis or Fernando, but honestly, if you're still getting a podium at the age of 42, go for it, man. If you're still able to wheel that car and get performances like that, I have no problem. The problem I have is like, and you see this in NASCAR sometimes, drivers that stay on too long, they're overage, you know, and they just, their performance just isn't there. But in Formula One, a guy like Fernando who is performing 
hitting well above, punching way above his weight at times. To stay in the sport and get podiums and be in the mix for, you know, pole positions. Even last year with a car that wasn't as great. Um, you know, to be in that mix is special. And I, I'm, I'm pumped for Fernando. And I want to see him just keep going, keep rolling with that. Because, you know, Fernando, I think for a lot of F1 fans, Fernando brings back certain memories. And I think Fernando, you know, is well respected. I, I think, though, Fernando is a divisive figure. You either love Fernando or you hate him. But... I think it was cool to see Fernando up there. Uh, some other teams that actually kind of impressed me. Uh, a solid race for Williams. Gotta say, like, Williams has their struggles still going on. You know, they're one of the most underfunded teams. I know they got Doralton Capital. But for Alex Albon to get points and Logan Sargent finished 12th, I think I said 11th before, uh, to finish where they finished, I know there was some attrition this race, but to finish where they finished... Solid outing, you know, finishing above the McLarens, who had, oh my god, a mess. Finishing above the Haas, finishing above the Alpha Tauri. I think that's where Williams would like to be. So I think not a bad weekend from Williams. Um, also got to say some other positives, right? Looking at Valtteri, 8th place for Alfa Romeo. Love seeing that Alfa Romeo. Love seeing, um, or now, what are we going to call it? Alfa Romeo Salber, you know, really Alfa Romeo is going to be gone soon, but... Love seeing that Alfa Romeo get points, especially with Valtteri up there. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu, I guess, had a little bad luck. Did set the fastest lap, but, you know, um, not one of his most memorable races. But good to see that. Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly clawing back from what was an atrocious qualifying effort from Pierre to get back to finish ninth in that Alpine, which overall, though, I got to say, the Alpine little disappointing not showing the qualifying pace i think we would have expected i thought people said they were expecting a little more from alpine uh they definitely did not punch above their weight they were definitely struggling a lot so uh for the alpine on that side it was a struggle not really the best of goes but again on the bright side seeing them you know seeing pierre manage to claw back not overall too bad Yuki, I think Yuki also had a solid race as well. You know, Yuki has a lot of pressure on this year. That's a guy who needs to deliver. If he doesn't, he could very well find himself out of a ride in 2024. So uh, for Yuki to have, I think, just, you know, getting into Q2, uh, being consistent in the race, staying out of trouble relatively, uh, you know, finishing an 11th just outside of a points finish, with an Alpha Tauri car that is frankly disappointing in terms of pace, they're kind of. I think it's fair to say Alpha Tauri had, you know, their moments in twenty one and twenty two, and then they kind of regress now. You know, so to see that Alpha Tauri getting into eleventh, getting above, you know, getting splitting the Williams at least was a positive sign. Um, the big negatives, I gotta say, uh, the first negative, and this is the most obvious one. McLaren, you got to feel, and this is where people are going to start debating. First of all, I was, I got to admit, I was high on McLaren for a long time. You would have thought after coming out of the 2021 season going into 22, I know their struggles were well known entering this 22, entering last year's 22 season. Thought 23 would have been the year, and Lando seemed committed. You know, he signed a long term contract with that team. But I mean, whatever happened this race weekend was just atrocious. First of all, I mean, Oscar Piastri just being back there. And uh, to be fair, some of the rookies didn't fare as well as we could have thought. 
But Oscar Piastri having, you know, not really the fastest car all weekend, um, then having a reliability issue. I think it was something with uh, electrical wiring or a cl- I forgot what exactly it was, but it was something they couldn't fix with the steering wheel for change. Then we had, you know, Norris coming back to the pits. Like, it felt like he was living in the pits. I, I don't know. How many times did he pit? Like, 12, 10? No, I think it was only six. Yeah, I thought they were going to run out of tires. Uh, <laughs> but Lando, just frankly, you got to feel for the guy. And hopefully McLaren shows better pace next race because, you know, people are going to, I mean, people already are. You got to question, like, how long can Lando deal with being at McLaren, being idle? And, and if McLaren stays idle and doesn't show those signs that they can compete, with those top teams from what they've been saying they're still far away like how long is a driver like Lando going to wait because the longer you wait the less your opportunity for race wins the less your opportunity for a championship I mean Lando right now we can't even talk about Lando getting a race win that's insane because if you think back to 2021 McLaren they were in contention in a few races Lando was there in Russia he had a chance but you know Ego got in the way there and obviously weather conditions. But it's a rough go for McLaren right now. And especially with the Oscar Piastri um, you know, situation that happened, you want to see some positives out of this team going into the next few races. So they really got to step up. They got to show some pace or else it's going to be a long season for you McLaren fans. And especially those people that are Lando Norris fans, that is going to be a long season because right now, Lando stands as one of the best drivers to have not won a race so far, right? And I know people are, you know, a lot of Lando lovers out there. And I I think he is a talented driver. He's definitely shown it at times. I mean, crap, he got a podium last year, right? In a car that wasn't that great. So Lando has the talent, but he needs the opportunity. And right now that opportunity is just not being delivered with McLaren. Uh, I already addressed Ferrari. Ferrari definitely big negative, you know, just in terms of, I don't think so much, you know, to finish fourth, uh, what was it? Yeah, Science finishing fourth, not not the end of the world. And Leclerc was in good position. So, you know, Ferrari isn't out of it, but you just hate to see again a Ferrari reliability issue. It's like, how many times can we bear to see Ferrari just struggle flat out with reliability? Haas too, I mean... I don't know what goes on with Haas sometimes, right? Like, what happened there? Like, Haas had strong cars during the race weekend. um, And then, of course, when it came to the race again, and it feels like shades of last year, they just... I feel like Haas either doesn't nail strategy. I believe they started on the hard tires, and it just looked like those were never going to work. But, like, you got to wonder what was going on with that team, and... You know, just to be out of it basically from the start after a good qualifying performance from Hulkenberg, just not what you thought Haas might have been able to achieve again because, you know, much was made about Gunther Steiner, you know, making a big deal last year about why he needs these drivers. And again, I I will fully apologize. I think Nico Hulkenberg, I know obviously this is Monday morning quarterbacking, but I said it before the race weekend started I said in my race weekend preview that I was having a reflection on Nico Hulkenberg and in all honesty the move was right for everybody for Mick to go to Mercedes and learn 
and get the experience from those guys there. Great fit. I think Mick is in the right spot for Haas to get a guy like Nico Hulkenberg, who, frankly, you can say what you want about not having those podium performances, but for a guy like Nico Hulkenberg, who is consistent, who drives a car well, who, yes, I get it, he hasn't had podiums, but has he really had a car to achieve a podium? You could argue there were no, yeah, maybe, but he's never really been in the right equipment to prove himself, and... I do think that he is the right guy to manage, at least do what that team needs him to do, to keep it consistent, to keep it safe, to to get that team week in and week out the performances they need, the data they need to be successful. I think that that is a good match for Haas. And I completely, completely am doing a 180 on what I said earlier. I thought it was a weird move at first, but honestly, if we go back and look at what Hulkenberg has done when he was super subbing in his race career, it's really not atrocious. And you know, we know how fickle Formula 1 can be. Look at look, look at a guy like Lando Norris, a talented driver, has not won a race yet. Imagine if George Russell, who thankfully managed to get into Mercedes at least in a point where he could compete for race wins. Imagine if we were talking about George Russell not getting a race win, who is a talented driver, right? Uh, you know, if he stayed with Williams just maybe too long. So, you know, it depends where you're at. Formula One can be very tricky in terms of the ins and outs. And we've seen drivers leave teams, join teams, rejoin. We have drivers on the grid. Just think about it. Hulkenberg, Ocon, Albon, uh, Pierre Gasly switching teams, hopping back and forth. We, uh, Magnuson, we have these examples of guys, Alonzo technically, we have these examples of guys who have left teams and come back for one reason or another. So it, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world because you're gone. And I think we'll have to see what Mick does if Mick gets another opportunity. He might not because that's the way the sport rolls. But I think this was the right move for everybody. But Haas, really disappointing. And then... I think the biggest disappointment and, you know, you can already feel and it's hard because when you read articles, you don't know what the context exactly always is in terms of, you know, the person's attitude, the, the, the situation that's being described. But uh, if you're a Fer- uh, sorry, if you're a Mercedes fan, I mean, it's it's right now you're in disaster mode, you're in panic mode a little bit. There's all these reports coming out now that, you know, Mercedes, whether you're you're hearing George Russell saying or even total wolf now saying that red bull is going to win every race you hear like this it's just so weird for me to hear this dejected loser attitude from mercedes because frankly i don't expect it that's not a team where i expect to concede after race one you know last year after race one we're talking about a team that said we're going to figure it out we're going to make this car better we're going to work at it this year you're hearing it's over that's it you're hearing lewis hamilton like talks of lewis hamilton saying you know, engineers ignored his suggestions for the fix of the car. And you're hearing like a complete uh, complete rework is needed to be competitive for 2024. That basically 2023 is done. It's, it's one of the, you know, reality checks, maybe, you could argue, for Mercedes. It's, uh, but it's odd to hear the phrases the way they've been talked. And, you know, part of me doesn't really like it because, listen... I know I haven't been a Formula One fan 
I've been, I mean, sorry, I've been a Formula One fan before Mercedes entered the sport, but for think about it, I'm I'm 30. So watching Formula One since Mercedes entered, I know they had those years where they struggled, those early years after Braun GP. You know, the Schumacher, Rosberg years. They did struggle. But then for the most part, basically for a decade, they were the most successful F1 team. Eight constructor championships. Seven world driver championships for Lewis Hamilton in that well not just Lewis Hamilton but seven you know between Rosberg and Hamilton one of those teams that just you associate with dominance and to hear them talking about this and in a negative light where you thought going into the season there were these positive reports that Mercedes is going to get it done they've been reworking this car they've got it figured out and then when it hits the track it just it just didn't match and it's it's tough to hear it's tough to see and you know maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel it's it's again it's race one i'm not willing to give up on a team like mercedes after race one because you know the people they got you know the drivers they have they're talented george russell and lewis hamilton are talented but this negative attitude is just it's weird to hear from mercedes it's weird to hear from the race weekend especially after race weekend one but we're gonna have to wait and see we're gonna have to wait and see what happens so you know the race weekend wasn't exactly exciting but the things that we can take away um you know are positives uh in terms of looking at what this season can be and one last thing I forgot to mention, the the one crazy, you know, after going on my rant about Mercedes, I, I feel like I got to sandwich this in here real quick, but what was Esteban Ocon doing, man? He matched the Pastor Maldonado triple threat there. Three penalties, triple penalties. Oh, man, what a poor first, what a poor outing for that, for that Frenchman, man. Oh, Esteban. I love Esteban, though. I got to say, I was talking about Esteban in a good light because... I just feel like Esteban is that gritty driver and he brings a certain um, grittiness to the F1 grid that is sometimes needed. A certain level of, uh, you know, I'm going to fight for this win kind of attitude. And and I think that's kind of cool. But, yeah, three penalties. Sucks to be that guy. Anyway, um, that's basically it for this race weekend. Um, one cool thing, Kimi Raikkonen, if you're a NASCAR fan, will be racing in a NASCAR car for Trackout NASCAR car. Will be racing at a NASCAR race, a NASCAR Cup Series race at Circuit of the Americas with the Trackhouse Project 91X. I'm probably getting that wrong. I think it's Project 91. Uh, we'll be racing again in a circuit he's more familiar with. So let's hopefully see Kimmy killing a NASCAR car uh, coming up in the near future. So uh, thanks for listening. We're going to have an off-race weekend this weekend. So we're going to come back to you with the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix preview in a few days. I try to be a little more consistent with this. Sorry for my inconsistency. It's just life sometimes throws you some wrenches and you got to adapt and overcome to that but i will get up to you guys before the saudi arabia grand prix give that a little preview let's see what other f1 news comes out this week but thanks again for listening i'll talk to you guys in a few days for our saudi arabia preview have a wonderful off race weekend week